Good morning. Happy Sunday. Woo! You may be seated. Thank you so much for your welcome, Pastor Skip, Lenya. Love you guys. So glad that our mutual friends and brother and sister in the Lord, Paul and Diane Saber, uh, who believes in me early, early on. In fact, Diane was someone who um, supported our ministry back in 03 when I was a little whippersnapper, whatever you call that. And uh, I, I was this tall when I was that age. Uh, and it's so cool to have Paul Saber on our board of Life Without Limbs. Thank you, Paul, if you're watching online. Uh, thank you to the Life Without Limbs team from flying from California today. Can we thank the Life Without Limbs team? God bless you. Alan, thank you for your help. Um, I am so thrilled to be here this morning to share with you how my faith in God uh, has really changed my life and to help unpackage some of maybe the bigger questions that we do tend to think at times when we think of a loving God that allows suffering to happen or a loving God who can do everything. Why doesn't He give me a miracle? And the difference between having a miracle physically and then seeing the fact that though arms and legs don't make you happy and stuff don't make you happy... To the point that then, though, uh, the difference between the happiness of having everything in this world, yet still not finding that peace and purpose in your soul. How do you find that? I hope to just share with you how I did find that by God's grace. Can, you everyone, can everyone say, by God's grace? By God's and I am thrilled to share my testimony, to understand that this is just my history, but really it's His story to share. And your history is His story to share. And not one testimony is more powerful than another. Not one suffering is more powerful than another. When you boil it down, I believe it's actually worse being in a broken home than having no arms and legs. Being disabled by fear instead of being handicapped in a physical way. Your heart, your mind, who are you? Why are we here? What's the meaning of life and where is hope if it exists? So first of all, put your hand up if you've never seen me speak before. Awesome. And put your, hi. And put your hand up if uh, this is your first time to this church. Awesome. Can we welcome those guests? We love you. God bless you. And hello to everyone watching online. Um, really quickly on the screen, this is my beautiful, amazing, gorgeous family. Um, Kanae is her name. We've been married for seven years. <clears throat> Love at first sight, couldn't feel my legs. <laughs> Kiyoshi on the left, uh, he's now six and a half. Dayan on the right, he's about to turn four. And these twin girls are now 18 or 19 months old. Here's another photo of them. <laughs> Ellie on the left, Olivia on the right. I actually have to check their earrings. They're, identi they're identical twin girls. And sometimes I'm actually 75% wrong when I guess who's who. Um, <laughs> they're gorgeous. We are so, so blessed to have a family. I never thought that God would have a plan that's much better than mine. Uh, and then when I finally 
found the dream of dreams, my wife, I never thought that it would be that great. I had a plan that God would miraculously give me arms and legs. And when he didn't give me arms and legs, I then convinced myself that I would never be happy, that God is not real, that there is no purpose for my life, no meaning, and that I'd never get married. I thought even if I got married, um, I can't even hold my wife's hand. How can I hold my kids when they're crying? Well, today when my wife and I, uh, I, you know, together, I can't hold her hand, but I don't need to hold her hand. I just need to hold her heart. You don't need hands for that. And then I just saw some women nudge their husbands right there. Um, and then uh, the children, when they're actually crying, I can't put my arms around them. But the way that I love them gives them the confidence and love to come to me for comfort as well and put their arms around me. And I want you to know that there are some times where we feel like it's impossible. And first of all, there is nothing impossible for God. Why do I know that? Not just based on what I've seen and what I know and what I feel and what, I, what I've witnessed. But, uh, and I'll explain that a little later. Um, but he says so. <laughs> Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. And so my parents every day, they said, don't worry, Nick. Just go to school. If they tease you, you're beautiful. You're special. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to be special. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with the awkward moments. You know, everyone's looking at me, staring at me because I'm so good looking. And then these kids, they come up and they say, what happened? They say cigarettes. <laughs> you know, when adults come and they don't know how to handle, you know, do they shake my hand, whatever. I just hug everyone. I'm a hugging machine. I've hugged so many people, my arms have fallen off. <laughs> Scary thing about hugging so many people, um, they can just pick me up and go. <laughs> what am I going to do, like, kick them? When I was born, the doctor said that I would not walk. Because it was based on what they know and what they see and what they feel, correct? The doctor said that I would never go to school. Why? Because they knew that the law in Australia in 1989 was that if you have a child with a special need, you were not allowed to go to the mainstream school system. But what they did know, what they did not know was what God knew was that God would use my mum to change the law. And it was a shock. They had no idea I was going to be born this way. My doctors don't know why I was born this way. Lady Gaga don't know why I was born this way. And can you imagine if someone came into the room and said, don't worry, I have a word from the Lord. Your limbless son is going to go around the world, is going to meet 18 presidents, speak in front of 10 governments, is going to be able to be used by God, one second, to actually change laws to allow special needs children not to get killed and not actually going to, to a, 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 like a community group hall, but actually being integrated into society and the school system. He'll be writing by age 36, five books translated in 39 countries, go on TV to 
2 billion people of which 730 million people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and of 8.5 million people, over a million people will be in heaven because of your disabled son's faith by God's grace and obedience unto his calling. Here's a photo of September 2017. This is Ukraine. 800,000 people were there. 53 million people were watching in 26 countries. And 400,000 gave their life to Jesus. I'm about to go to the Philippines to speak in front of 200,000 people next week or the week after. Oh, Filipinos, I love you. I love everyone. And check this out. This is the government. This is the 10th government address that we've been able to have. And this one was by far really cool because you can see they're not sitting in their seat. National Live TV covers a 90-minute segment where a limbless evangelist talks about the importance of a government leading a country on godly principles. In the end, they are on their knees praying to God to forgive them of their sins, to heal their land and lead their nation. If someone ever told me that I would be a speaker to talk about hope, I would headbutt you in the face. (laughs) Because I even felt at times that there was none. And that everyone can just believe what they believe and you get what you get. It is what it is and that's it. And that there is no greater purpose to my existence. I'm going to just exist. And these were the cards that I was dealt with and too bad. And for me, it was difficult to believe in a loving God who loves me, allows this to happen, who can do all things, yet he doesn't give me arms and legs miraculously. And I want to ask you three questions today. Who are you? What do you want? And where are you going? Who are you? What do you want? And where are you going? Based on those answers, then I will know the value and your perception of life itself. And I tell you, man, when you talk to eight, nine, ten-year-olds, any eight, nine, ten-year-olds in the house, stand up. Eight, nine, ten-year-olds, check this out. This is amazing. We're going to learn so much from this. Ready? Look at me. Ready? Eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Okay. This is yes. This is no. Simple question. Ready? Have you ever, 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 ever in your life been stressed? Yes. Sit down. Thank you so much. It's amazing about the philosophy of life that we actually, as human beings, have this addiction of feeling like we need to have a different circumstance or a change or something that has to happen before it gets okay. It becomes that a place for me where if I just get there, if I just have that, then everything's going to be okay and no stress. You talk to eight-year-olds, you say, uh-huh, what's wrong? Uh-huh. Homework is so hard and my parents don't give me everything I want and, you know, my siblings annoy me every single day. I wish I was 13. (laughs) Any 13-year-olds in the house give me what? Now you know what stress is. Oh my gosh, what's going on? I don't even know who I am anymore. I thought I could trust my friends and then they backstab me. They invite me to the party. Then they uninvite me to the party. They defriend me on my blah, 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 blah. And my parents, they annoy me. They don't give me any privacy. I need my privacy. I need my space. I am so stressed out right now. I need a boyfriend. I want to be 17. I want a car. Freedom. 
You get to 17, you're in the last year of high school, now you're freaking out because you got to get into college. If I get just get into college, is everything going to be okay? Y'all, I hope so. No! Ask the college students. Now they're freaking out. I need a job. I need money. I was hoping for this, and now I've got a $200,000 debt. I'm finished. God, give me a job. God finally gives you a job, and yes! And after two days, <laughs> you look at your boss in the face and you look at God and you say, really? You give me hell? I hate hell. And all the single people, oh, when I find the one, then everything's going to be okay. No, go talk to the married people. I tell you, honey, if you ain't happy single, you ain't going to be happy married. You see how many married people clap right there? <laughs> money! Oh, if I can get the money. Money. Money, drugs, sex, alcohol, pornography, fame, and fortune. If you put your happiness in temporary things, your happiness will be temporary. If you continue to look at your biceps and trying to figure it out, I just want you to know my biceps were so big they fell off. You understand me? Your biceps as well are temporary. Girls, you're trying to look all pretty. You ain't going to be pretty in 20 years. And if your boyfriend marries you because you look pretty, just waiting 20 years because he's going to be looking at all the other pretty girls. Sex ain't love. You can sleep with anyone you want as many times you want, still wonder, do they love me? Love is a lifelong commitment. If I'm a man of God, I've got to be looking for a woman of God. If I'm a looking for a woman of God, I've got to be a man of God. If I can't honor my wife before I get married, how do you think I'm going to honor God after we get married? You see, it's interesting how we just go with the flow and we do everything and we accept everything because everyone else is doing it. I want you to know that we got to stop and think, who are you? Girls, you're beautiful just the way that you are. When I look at you, I don't look at your hair, I don't look at your breasts, I don't look at your legs. I'll look you in the eye. That's the windows to your soul. And you're not defined by the value of how many people follow you on social media or if you have a boyfriend. You know how many teenage girls are allergic to not having a boyfriend? It's ridiculous. The average relationship is two weeks, three days, and 46 seconds. And the moment they get dumped or dump someone, I'm like, oh, I need a boyfriend. Why? 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 My girls ain't ever going to have a boyfriend. They ain't ever going to look for a boyfriend because I'm going to have a really good talk to them. I'm telling him, you ain't looking for a boyfriend because that's trouble. You're looking for a husband. The moment you think that you could be entering a serious 
relationship and there's some spark or friendship that you want to invest and nurture in through a first coffee with a man of God and you're not looking for a boyfriend, you're looking for your husband. If you ain't getting ready to get married, you ain't looking for no one. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Do your best and He will do the rest. You don't need to get married either if that's what God has for you. But you ain't looking for a boyfriend. I love being married. I love my marriage. But before I met my wife, I knew who I was in God. You need to know who you are in God. Do you see this? There is a difference between lies and truth. Very opposite. God says, you're wonderfully and fearfully made. The world and the enemy says, you're ugly, just give up. There's no one who's going to really love you. You don't even love yourself. You can't even forgive yourself of the things you've done wrong. You can't ever forget, even though that you're a 48-year-old woman, those things that your father told you when you were nine years old. You are cursed. You'll never be anybody. Just give up. There is no plan, no hope for you. In my head, it was, Nick, you're ugly. You'll never get married. You'll never get a job. You're just a burden to your parents. No one really loves you. Your parents only love you because you're their son. You're just a burden. Just check out a life. I tried to actually commit suicide at age 10 because based on what I felt, based on what I saw, and based on what I knew, I convinced myself of my future. First verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now that's a verse from this book called the B-I-B-L-E, which it says that God's scripture is all breathed. You have the liberty to choose to believe in this or not. You have the liberty to choose to believe in the power of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or you can choose to believe in the power of this table or any other religion. That's why I love about our existence. We have life hope, and free choice. You can choose to believe. And I'll never forget when I was 12 years old, someone came up and said, were you born that way? I said, yes. She said, you want to know why? I said, sure. She said, reincarnation. I said, what's that? She said, you're a perfect example. I said, well, well, what is it? Well, in your previous life, you were a very bad boy, and now you're being punished. I'm 12 years old. Like, what do you say? Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, she said previous life. I didn't even have fingerprints to this life. How did she find me in the previous life? I don't understand. But then she said, but don't worry. I'm like, oh, there's a good thing. She said, yeah, don't worry. Now that you're a good boy, in your next life, you'll come back probably like a butterfly. <laughs> I don't want to be a butterfly. <laughs> that sucks. Do you know how many butterflies I've killed in my wheelchair? I don't understand. You know those people who believe in just positivity. Just be positive. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. I want to headbutt you in the face, man. I was like, you haven't really gone through something then. You haven't had a, a, a son who's 13 years old who's dying of leukemia. And when that son actually looks at you and says, what happens when I'm dead? You don't know and you can't help him and you would take leukemia for him instead of him dying of leukemia. You would sacrifice your life. You can't be positive. 
unless you know what you're looking for and you are sure of what you believe that actually gives you hope. I am positive as not a coping mechanism. I am positive because I know the truth of who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm not just a kid with no arms or no legs. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God has not forgotten me as these lies say. All these lies... You talk to the foot because the ears ain't listening, and you turn around and you go, na 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 I'm an adopted, forgiven, redeemed child of God. I'm an ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I'm a general in the army of God. I know that science can't explain everything because I know witchcraft is real. Moon worshippers are real. I've met them. I've seen demons in San Francisco. When you see a demon, you ain't atheist after that. Science can't explain everything. No. God made science. Sure. But in my back, man, I got the best doctor in California telling me that science can't explain what happened in my back. Now, this is not going to change your life, but I'll tell you, when I was 19 years old, 2002 in Brisbane, Australia, I had a pinching of a nerve down the spine of my back. I couldn't feel my left arm, and I got an MRI scan. Some of you got that joke. I got an MRI scan, and the, <laughs> the guy came out, and he said, I got some bad news. I said, what's that? He said, you were born with a very rare disease. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. He said, no, 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 apart from that, you were born with a thing called a syrinx. I said, a what? He said, a syrinx. I said, what is that? He said, look, look at this and show me. Here, here, here. This is your spinal column. Here, here, here. Three holes. Your spine is degenerating. We can't do anything about it. Can't slow it down. And we believe that by age 35 to 45, you will have no spine. We will have to drill rods down your back, secure that, screw that into your rib cage. We are so sorry for the bad news. They asked me, do you want a checkup? I said, no, thanks. <laughs> What's the point of that? That was the year that I started ministry, 17 years ago. Incredible. You know what was really cool? I went to South Africa, and a man put his hand, without me telling him, a man put his hand on my back, his hand got red hot, and I got an MRI scan three years after that. And I got, I got the 2002 and the 2010 scan. 2002, no, 10 years. Like 2000, shoot, one second. 2012, 10 years. Three holes, two holes. And they're scratching their head and saying, this is a syrinx. This can't be happening. Can we have another checkup? And I said, mm-hmm. Had another checkup, I think it was a year later, not two holes, one hole. Nine months later, no holes in my spine. Ready? Did that really change your life? No. What will change your life is first of all, understanding and seeing someone's soul, heart, mind be totally turned around from depression to joy. What I want you to know, the body is the body. 
but the disabilities of the heart and the mind are the most important things to be healed of. And I want you to know that I wanted arms and legs. He healed my back. That's awesome. Do I have a pair of shoes in my closet just in case he gives me arms and legs? Absolutely. <laughs> Why? Because I've seen, apart from my own miracle, 13 blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, lame people walking crooked backs come straight. Now, I knew though at six years old that God doesn't always heal our bodies. Why? Because he allowed my 27-year-old first cousin to die from cancer. Because I know people who died in car accidents when we prayed that they would not die. Death comes. If God gave me everything I want, when I want it, how I want it, I would probably never want to die here. Yes? If I really, though, believe that my home is not here, and as beautiful as earth is, and the good things and great things and excellent things that I could ever have here on earth, yes, including my wife, yes, including my children, that is nothing compared to what is waiting for me up in eternal life. I knew deep down that I was born for eternity somewhere that has to be some purpose. I can't just exist, be good, and die. To what? Know that I'm good and then be remembered that I'm good? That to me doesn't satisfy. But if heaven is real, here's logic. Everyone say logic. Ready? Can God give me arms and legs? Good. Will he? I don't know. Am I praying for it? Yeah. It'd be cool. It'd be cool to skip getting a bike with you and smash into a pole and break a leg. <laughs> but could God still use me to be a miracle if I don't even get a miracle? Why? Because of the miracle that happened in my soul, in my heart, in my mind. You see a limbless man smile, resignating the joy and purpose that some of you haven't found yet. And it's got nothing to do with what you think you want next. What do you want? You want to just pay off your house, get a couple rental properties one day if I can just get a retirement plan? Dude, how many times have our plans failed? Oh, I'm just going to get to another relationship. How many relationships have failed? Here's the problem with the relationships. You're in it. How many times have you failed you? How many times has stuff changed? I'm not being mean. I'm just being real. I'm not meant to be here. Not forever. So when we pray for my dad to be healed of cancer, we can pray in full faith. He can do it. But if he doesn't, he has gone home. Where there is no pain, sickness, sorrow, disease... Just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Do you know before they fell into sin, there, were not, there was not even the heat of New Mexico in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> there was no mosquitoes of the Amazon forest biting them because they had no suffering or 
uncomfortability. It was perfect with God until the snake came in, told them something that was different than what God told them. They didn't have to die until they fell into sin because God says the wages of sin is death. What am I trying to say? Here it is. Ready? There is definite logic in believing in God allowing pain on earth. Here it is. Ready? Pain did not come from God. It's all in here. Pain did not come from God. came from Satan. Why did then God allow Satan in the Garden of Eden if God knew all the bad stuff was going to happen? To prove to you and I that he gave Adam and Eve free choice. If the serpent was never allowed in the garden and said something different than what God said and gave Adam and Eve a choice to believe this or that, then I could argue that God never gave us free will. They did choose that instead of God. Therein, God being who He is cannot be face to face with us who are born with sin. Give me two three-year-olds, give them one toy, and you'll see sin. They'll dishonor their parents, they'll be jealous, and they'll hate each other. Right? I remember when I actually stole a matchbox car from my first cousin. I was six years old. Why? Because I know what was wrong. I know that I took something that was not mine. That's called guilt, shame, conviction. And I know that I only need to steal once before I'm a thief. I only need to lie once before I'm a Liar, thank you so much. What I want you to know is that I wanted to believe in heaven. But the question was, number one, where did pain come from? There it is. When do we actually all go home? Well, some of us die early, some of us die later. The Bible says that 70 years is a full life. I'm 37. I'm already halfway to dead. My dad died at 62. My cousin died at 27, and I'm thankful that I'm 37 because my first cousin's son died a couple of hours. Anything we ever have can never satisfy. What do you want? For me, I found the truth, and the truth has set me free. And I've seen the testimonies of how God redeems broken pieces and makes something beautiful. Whether I have arms and legs or not, let me tell you a story. What could God logically do better than to give me arms and legs that gives me arthritis later on anyway? I was 24 years old in front of a church and I saw a little boy being held up above the crowd. 19-month-old Daniel Martinez. No arms, no legs, little foot just like me. And I'm like, wow, I want to wrestle him later on. And I brought him up on stage and he's looking up at me. I'm looking down at him and I can't give him a high five. So I gave him a low two. His mom came up, his mom came up and hugged me and cried. And she said, thank you so much. Now I know that God still has a plan for my son. Can you imagine when I was at school, bullying, thoughts of suicide, wishing that I would meet someone else like me? Can you imagine my parents in their distress? wishing they could have met a parent that went through this before. We never had that miracle. 
but we became that miracle for that family. And when I'm in heaven, I don't know if I'll die with arms and legs here on earth, but I know that Jesus, who had no sin, paid the price of sin, death. I couldn't pay the price of your sin because I have sin. Does that make sense? You go to a grocery store, you pay five bucks for a $5 item, you can pick up the item, you can walk out the door. When the item is five bucks, you pay three bucks, no matter how much you hope it's enough, it's not enough. It's either five bucks, you got five bucks, you don't have five bucks, you can't get it. You get eternal life, what's the price? Death. You have sin, death. And if I believe that someone paid that for me, then I can obtain eternal life. Does that make sense? And because I believe that Jesus took my biggest disabilities, sin and death, and He's my cure. There's only one cure for death. It's resurrection. That's it. No one else said, I am the only way, the truth, and life. When you actually do your research, please don't become a Christian because of Christians. You have to do your research. You have to come to your own conviction. If you're a Christian because of Christians, you won't be a Christian for long if you don't know who Jesus is and what he said and how he was different, the definition of a Christian is a follower of Christ because of what he did and what he said. Does that make sense? So for me, I did my research. I know I'm not an atheist because I, I know that spiritual warfare is real. I know I can't be other religions because there's a religion, I'm not going to name them, but there's a religion where basically that person says, well, become part of our religion. All you've got to do is actually uh, keep 613 commandments. I'm struggling with 10. I don't know about you. Another religion is that do good, be good, pray five hours a day, <laughs> memorize this scripture, and hopefully you get in. There's no guarantee. But there's a way that you can actually definitely go to heaven uh, is actually if you kill a Christian. And if you actually leave our religion once you start following this religion, we actually are commanded to kill you if you leave the religion. I don't think I like that. There's another religion where it's got 330 million gods. 330 million gods. One of them is the sex god. And actually they're commanded to offer some of their children as prostitutes. If, if you actually do your religion, religious research you plug in a limbless child or a slave in prostitution there is no hope but when I know that I am saved that I'm a citizen of heaven passing through that Jesus died for me he knows I'll never be perfect, but I want to live His plan, not my plan. In His strength, not my strength. He knows better than me. I thank God that He didn't give me arms and legs when I pleaded for arms and legs. I would not be here. I would not have met 18 presidents. Two billion people would not have been somehow touched. And in the end, I don't know about what you want, but this is what I want. That one day I'm in heaven and Daniel Martinez, who was born without limbs, runs to me in heaven with his new limbs, embracing me and weeping and looking me in the eye and saying, Brother, thank you for helping me believe that this place called heaven was real. That's what I want. You want to know what I want? On judgment day, 
in front of the throne of God Almighty. And my accuser sits here, Satan, and I stand here and Jesus next to me and Satan rolls out all the sins that I have done and says, God Almighty, Nicholas James Vujic, he is a sinner. These are his sins. 16 years later, he's finished reading all my sins. And then he says, he is not worthy of heaven. He is mine and damned to hell. And Jesus says, Father, at 15 years old, Nick saw about how I healed the blind man. In John chapter 9, I was 15 and I realized Jesus didn't tell the blind man that he was about to spit in the dirt, put the mud on his face, and after the facial that he's going to see. I was waiting at 15 years old. God, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? If you told me his plan, listen up very carefully. If I know the plan, then where do I need faith? You know the plan. If you know how to build a house, you don't need to trust yourself. You need to trust the plan. If you don't know the plan of the designer of the plan and the creator of who you are, first of all, who greater to tell you your purpose than the one who made you? But if he tells you the plan, then you don't really need to trust in him. Aren't we already disabled that when things are going good, we pray less than when things are going bad? Some of us actually can't even pray for more than two minutes. Some of us don't even open this Monday to Saturday. Holy moly, what would happen if we never had a bad day? Would we really pray? Would we really know what trusting in the Lord is with all our heart leading, not upon our own understanding, acknowledging Him in all of our ways so He can direct our paths? Let me tell you why. Because He's a heavenly Father. When a child asks for something, He can delight in giving good gifts. Amen? But if I know that my son wants six tons of chocolate to eat, he's going to kill himself. And I'm going to say no. And the child then has a choice. Not that arms and legs is bad for me, but what good came out of this? One more person in heaven that will last for an eternity. 1.1 million people here in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What good could ever come from your sexual abuse? Let's be real. First of all, some things need more than just praying things away. You need counseling. Get counseling. Ask someone at this church for counseling. We'll counsel you. We love you. We're here for you. You don't have to do this alone. But what if I was limbless so I can help another limbless person believe that God can still do beautiful things with broken pieces? And just like He used me for Daniel, God can use you one day before you die. You don't even know the seeds of love when you share your understanding after this, that your history is His story. Share your story. Because you don't know who actually might say, wow, I'm not the only one, and wow, there is hope, and wow, when I don't get a miracle, I can still be one. I've seen sex slaves find Jesus redeemed. Get this. They were sold by their own mother for 700 bucks. I can boldly share the gospel. I can boldly and confidently with a humble heart. Let them know that God can still use that pain. And I've seen former sex slaves go free other sex slaves and actually wash the feet of the pimps and madams who kidnapped them and abused them and let them know you guys have money, you have control, 
but you're not happy and you're alone and Jesus loves you. Your soul is lost and Jesus has come to save the lost. I've seen a woman who was paralyzed for four and a half years, prayed for her, she walked. She wasn't just any old woman. I didn't know who she was until after she walked. You wanna know who she was? Probably the most evil woman I'll ever meet in my life. I didn't know that she was the one who started human trafficking in Mumbai, India in the 1960s, responsible blood on her hands for 40,000 slaves. And I prayed for this woman not knowing who she was. She was frail. She was about 100 years old. And she couldn't walk. We prayed for her. She walked. She gave her life to Jesus Christ two weeks later. She asked God to forgive her of her sins. Did God forgive her of her sins? How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. Not only does God forgive us of our sins, but our God, our God actually forgets our sins deliberately. That's, that's, what kind of a God is that? That He'd forgive you, but hey, do you remember when you did this? That's the freaking devil, dude. That ain't God. God wants you free, indeed, moving forward, leaving what's behind. No shame, no guilt, no conviction. Well, I need to fix myself up before I come to God. Well, if you're fixed up, then Jesus didn't come to you or for you. He came for the broken. He came for the imperfect. He came for the weary, the lost, the burdened. How long will you keep on trusting you and your plans and stuff on this planet for you to actually find rest for your soul. Do you see how rich I am? I am wealthy. And it's got nothing to do with anything here. I have rest and I have peace. And if my plane goes down today, I'll see you up there. be up there some of you will be some of you will be who are the some those who believe that Jesus died for you rose from the grave who will fill you with the Holy Spirit a person a person of the Trinity who is real, who lives in me, who also resurrected Jesus from the dead, will then resurrect me. Those who know that they will never be perfect, but turning around from those lies and saying, God, help me, teach me how to pray, show me how to live, show me how to read my Bible, <clears throat> knowing that when I fall, He'll pick me up and I'm under construction until my last breath, baby. Ask my wife, is Nick still under construction? Uh-huh. He's doing all right, but man, he's, he's still under construction. Yeah? Are you free of the chains that really disable you? Because I am. And I want to see you up there. I want to see you up there. If you don't know if you're saved, listen very carefully. You have a choice to make a choice to say yes or no. Your choice of not making a decision 
Don't fool yourself. If your decision is not today, that's a no today. And tomorrow is not promised. That's why the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. Now. You can't turn back last minute. You can't make a decision right now, in the now, three seconds ago. Now is now. Make a choice. What I'm trying to say is, indecision is your decision. And if it's not a yes, it's not a yes. And if it's not a yes, it's a no. I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just saying, teenager, please don't fool yourself in thinking that you're a Christian because you come to church on Sunday and then you tease and gossip at school on Monday. Do you really think that you really know the love of God? I, I, I think that's easier than overcoming a pornographic addiction. <laughs> to actually just shut your mouth when you have nothing nice to say. You need God's grace to understand that there is not one person that you lay eyes on that Jesus doesn't love. And if you understand that the love of God set you free, who are you to put someone else down to actually emanate an invisible God loves you, but on our way out of youth group, I'm going to say the F word. Because it's okay and it's cool. It's time to get real, man. Yeah, your pornographic addiction doesn't change the love of God for you. And let me tell you what's false is that he's waiting for you to change your addiction habits before he loves you more. He loves you now. And if he healed a woman responsible for 40,000 slaves, what sin do you have? No sin separates you from the love of God. Come to the love of God and he will redeem you, heal you, set you free and start the construction of a brand new life. He will fill you with His Holy Spirit, renew your mind, and be with you one step at a time. And right now, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. I have no idea who you are. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. But I want to give you an opportunity to actually commit your life to God. And not in a way that, oh, I'll try you out and I'll text you when I need you kind of thing. You kind of bring Jesus into your house and you give Him a room upstairs and you come to Him, you know, upstairs and be with Him like once a week called Sunday morning. And then you know, only call Him when you kind of need Him. And then the devil knocks on your front door. Man, I, I, let me just tell you right now, I ain't anywhere as powerful as the devil. He's very powerful. And if I need to answer the door when the devil knocks on my door, I'm done. But if I give Jesus the key to my heart, key of my life, and I actually give him the ownership and the pink slip of the car, and he's in the driver's seat, <laughs> it's all on him. Someone hurts me, they're going to have to deal with God, not me. We pray for them. Now, I, I don't get revenge. Re revenge doesn't heal. I don't even wait for sorry from them that hurt me before I think to forgive them. But man, I'll just tell you right now, if Jesus wasn't my Lord and Savior, I'd never be able to forgive anybody. And even when He has been my Lord and Savior, and I'm a preacher, it sometimes still takes me about 10 years to forgive someone. That hurt me really bad. I just forgave that person in November last year. It took me 10 years. Want to know why? Because I never got counseling for it. Dude, I wish I did earlier. 
so good to get counseling. I want you to know that it doesn't mean that everything's going to be great and the devil's never going to come knock on the door. But when you give the key to the house and the devil comes knocking, man, when the owner opens the door, not you anymore, Jesus, the owner of the house, then the devil sees Jesus and Jesus sees the devil and the devil falls to his knees and he says, sorry, I knocked on the wrong door. Hallelujah. And on judgment day, Jesus says to the father, Nick did sin all those 16 year long list of reading of his sin but he confessed his sin and he believed that I died for them all he believed I died for them I paid the price and God says welcome home my good and faithful servant don't be a master of your life be a servant of God Don't try to figure out the future. Give him your future. And he'll never, never fall short of giving you what you need. Not always what you want, but what you need. Isn't that what we need? What we need? Hallelujah. So right now, from the front to the back and the balcony and the side, I'm going to give an opportunity to respond. Say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to believe that you died for me, that you rose again. I want to go to sleep tonight to close my eyes, to know that I know that I know that you love me. And it's not about me being better before I'm saved. It's just because of your love. Don't wait to understand everything. Move upon what you know and what you discovered today. That conviction is knocking on the door of your heart. Open the door. We've seen roughly about 160 people come forward in the last three services. And I truly believe another 50 to 60 will come forward in this next service. Right here, right now. You know God's calling you. Your heart's beating. Your feet are heavy. I'm not going up there. Why do I call you forward? Well, first of all, I'm not going to lay hands on you. And if you can't stand up for a faith decision in here, how do you expect to faith have stand up for a faith decision out there? It's a safe place to stand up. Nothing to be afraid of, okay? Just come forward. So right now, from the front to the back, if you know you need to give your life to Jesus, don't wait for the first person. Be the first person. If that's you right now, bring your things and come forward and we're going to say that prayer that begins your faith journey with Jesus Christ. Come right over here at the front. Thank you. Just stand right there. Yeah, right here. Yeah, right in front of me and just face me. That's one, two, three. Just face me, no problem. Four, five, Six. Church, if you're not coming forward, I know you want to stand, but it's harder for people to come across when you stand. So just remain seated while you're clapping. Just turn around and face me. That's it. Beautiful. Hey, there's no service after this, so I will wait for as long as it takes. 
God's calling you, move. Teenager, there is no fence that you're sitting on. You're either living for God, His way or not. I'm waiting for tons of teenagers and young kids who feel like, I don't know. No, no, no. Make your decision. We'll wait for you at the very back to the side for as long as it takes. Trust me, I'm a very patient man when it comes to this. God is tugging at your heart. It is time. It is time. That's 14. So, let's do this. Ready? Let's make it a little easier. Some of you are thinking of thinking of coming. And for me to try help twist your arm to stop thinking about it is maybe you don't want to actually come alone. Here's a trick. Ready? If you don't want to come alone, simply turn to the person next to you and say, Hi, I really want to go up there and say that prayer, but I just don't want to go alone. Will you please, please come with me? With friends, I will count 60 from now. Go. One, two, three. Move. Tell your friend, come on. Three, four. Move. That's it. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. I'm waiting for 60 with friends. Trust me. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48. Already counted you. 49. We ain't at 60 yet. Move. 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 71, 73, 75, 78, 80. With friends, keep coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come, come, come. Last call, final call. Move. Move. 84. 86. It ain't done yet. 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95. Ninety-six, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine, a hundred, a hundred and one. 102, 3, 4, 5, 6. Look, we can be all day, but I'm getting hungry. So would you just stand up and come on down? This is the last and final call. I'm joking, but hurry up and move. Last call. We're counting 10 people. I'm going to actually not forget about people. I'm going to now give you 10 seconds. 10, 9, Eight, seven, move, move, four, move, three, two, one. There's another one. There's another two, three. You know what? Wait, 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 wait. 
kids, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I'm waiting for you. We're not done. Kids, 8, 9, 10. That's you. There we go. Come on, come on, come on. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Come with someone. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You're thinking of thinking of coming. You're not too late. We're not waiting for you, but we are. Move. Stand up. Come on down. Hallelujah. That's it. Done. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God a shout of praise. Now you can stand and let's shout out Jesus. Let's pray. Holy God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we approach the throne of grace in the mighty name and the matchless name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for New Mexico. We pray that you would Bring a wave of love and loving action, a unity across the churches. We pray for the foster kids, the hungry kids, the broken, the trafficked. Pray for the pimps, the drug traffickers. Not just here in New Mexico, but all of America. We uplift our nation before you in this last service today. We pray for the school system, pray for the governor, the government. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would descend in a mighty way like never before. God, we pray for miraculous things. We thank you, Lord, that you can do all things. We pray for the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the crooked backs to come straight, cancer to be gone, blood disease to be gone, diabetes to be gone in the name of Jesus, any pain, any sickness, any disease, any reports from the doctor that was negative, we pray in the name of Jesus, be healed, be healed, be healed. Lord, we speak against any power and principality of darkness that be against us in our families, and we pray in the mighty name of Jesus, go away and do not return. Be gone. Lord, we pray for oppression to be released. We pray for depression to flee and anxiety attacks. We thank you, Lord, that we we would have a discipline of getting into your word and reading the word and praying and understanding that we don't have to do this alone and getting plugged into a church to know that we can do life with the family of God. Lord, that each of us are brothers and sisters and I happen to be the half-brother of everyone here. With no arms, no legs, Lord God, we just thank you that you're a good God. You're a faithful God. You're a God of fun and love and joy and peace. But also, Lord, you're a God who rescues us. Lord, we pray for rescuing right now. Rescue. Rescue us. Set us free. If you're up the front, please repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear God. I come to you today and I thank you for loving me. I don't know why you love me. I know that today 
you moved me. I ask you today to come into my life and change me. Be my Savior. I know I'm a sinner. I'll never be perfect. But I thank you that you would forgive me, change me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I make a conscious decision to ask you to be my Savior, my friend, my King. I believe that Jesus, you're the Son of God. You rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence and thank you for faith to know that you will raise me up and heaven is waiting for me until that day show me how to live I want to know you more teach me how to pray read my Bible to grow walk and talk with you every day of my life thank you God you will never leave me I love you in Jesus name I pray amen We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church. We'd love to know how this message impacted you. Email us at mystory@calvarynm.church. And just a reminder, you can support this ministry with a financial gift at calvarynm.church/give. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church.